This morning, I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible and where Matthew would be located, uh, what I want you to do is if you're in a book, a physical Bible, I want you to turn to the table of contents, and there you're going to find that the Bible is broken up into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, Matthew is the first book of the New New Testament. So locate the New Testament, first book, turn to that page number and flip through until you get to chapter seven. Now, if you're in an app, what you'll want to do is scroll through the list uh, of books of the Bible. Matthew is going to be located about two thirds or three quarters away down that list. Uh, and you'll want to find Matthew and turn to chapter seven. Now, last week, uh, I made mention, I kind of used an illustration uh, of my son, Declan. Declan is two and a half years old. He is uh, one of the great joys of my life. Uh, all of my kids uh, just bring a smile to my face. But Declan is in that unique stage of life where he needs help with everything. You know, last week, I used the illustration of when my family, when we go hiking, uh, you know, you go on the trails and Declan can navigate the trails that are wide and smooth and flat and easy, but we like to hike in the areas that aren't always the easiest. And sometimes we get to an area on our path that we may take and it gets very narrow and it gets rocky and uneven. And at those times, I will reach down and grab Declan's hand and help him navigate uh, that difficult pathway uh, because he's not capable at two and a half years old uh, of navigating that many times without falling and maybe hurting himself. But Declan's at that age where he needs help with literally everything. He's just now at the age where he feeds himself, but you know, I have to change his diapers. I put him to sleep. I, uh, I take care of his needs. You know, I hear the phrase, uh, daddy, I want fill in the blank, please. You know, it's so, uh, he'll look at me sitting on the couch and look up and go, I want milk, please. And so he'll, he'll want, uh, um, uh, glass of milk and I have to be the one to go up and get that for him because he does not have the mental or physical capacity to grab the gallon of milk, get the glass out, take the cap off the milk, pour his cup and put the cap back on and put it away and put the cap on his juicy, uh, you know, his sippy cup. He doesn't have the capacity to do that. He needs somebody to do that for him. And today's passage actually speaks to how we as people need Jesus in a very similar way. So before we uh, go take a look at Matthew chapter 7, let's do a recap very quickly, very briefly on the Sermon on the Mount. So we've been in this uh, section of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a time when Jesus got up and he, he did this long expanded teaching time uh, with the people that were there listening to him. And he's covered uh, these topics. He started in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes, the blessed are. And if you, you want more information, uh, you can go back and listen to uh, a message where I preached on the Beatitudes. Uh, I did that over a two-week span. Uh, but he covers the Beatitudes. He talks about how we are salt 
And we are light of this world, that the world needs that salty, pleasant, good flavor because it's, it's devoid of pleasure without the spiritual blessing of Jesus, that we're light, that this world is darkness and Jesus ha- has called us to be light into others' world of darkness. He went into talking about how our thoughts and our emotions are just as important to our righteousness and to pleasing God as our actual actions are. Um, He talked about how love is so important and goes so far as to say loving goes even to our enemies, that we're not just called to love those that it's easy to love, but we're supposed to be loving those that are hard to love and even those that hate us. He talked about generosity and the connection to God being uh, the cornerstone of our faith. He talked about how uh, value, uh, how we're supposed to value what's eternal um, and allow that eternal value to affect us completely, 100%, which means that uh, our value is in the eternal, not in the things of this world, uh, and that we're supposed to deal with our fears and our worries and our anxieties through that faith, you know, and that 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 means a a great deal of things. And please, for if you're dealing with fear or anxiety or worry, please go back uh, just a few weeks uh, in our sermon series and go and listen to the message on that particular passage, uh, because I, I go into great depth into what it looks like to, as a follower of Jesus, lean on him uh, for how to deal with fear and anxiety and worry, but that that can mean a, a, a huge spectrum of things, counseling and medication and all the, those things, that just because we are followers of Jesus does not mean that we don't struggle mentally or emotionally, and Jesus calls us to go and go find ways uh, biblically Uh, through what he's provided in the world to take care of those needs. And then finally, before we got into the section that we are here, he talks about not judging others. And again, I, I spent a whole week talking on that, which brings me to today's passage. Now, last week, Uh, I spoke on the first half of this passage, and today I'm wrapping up the last half of this passage, but this is Jesus's conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. So as we read this passage, uh, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, as we read this passage, keep in mind that he is culminating, he is summarizing, he's, he's pulling all of the Sermon on the Mount into this one idea, this one block of teaching. And so join me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and following. It says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the, narrow, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. 
Now, this is where we're going to begin today's teaching. What we just read, I covered last week. Today's teaching is in the verse 21 and following. So pick up, back up with me uh, in verse 21. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. So Jesus is giving us the, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want us, again, like I said last week, I want us to pay very close attention to what he says in this passage. So he's, uh, in the last two sermons, last week and this week's, he has taken and given us four illustrations on what a true follower of Jesus looks like. So last week we talked about how uh, a true follower enters through the narrow gate, uh, and that the path of a true follower is difficult. Um, and then we went into the illustration that Jesus gives us about sheep and wolves, and that there are those who are false teachers, false prophets, who are going to come, in, wolf, uh, come uh, in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're wolves, and they want to devour and destroy us as followers of Jesus. And that you and I, as followers, need to pay very close attention to who we're listening to and what they're teaching. And then this week, he moves into talking about two different illustrations. So keep in mind what he's taught on so far and think about what he says now. So pick up with me in verse 21. Let's read the first illustration. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, remember that Jesus has just finished teaching about the golden rule, love others the way that you would want to be treated, He's taught about entering through the narrow gate and going down the difficult path. And he's given us a warning about listening to wolves, uh, those that would deceive us and destroy us. They would lead us away from righteousness, away from the things of God, and would lead us into foolishness and destruction. And now he's warning us that those who claim to be followers but do not choose the narrow path, the narrow gate and the hard path, and those who do not produce good godly fruit, that those will not enter the kingdom of heaven because they're not truly followers of Jesus. Uh, and so it's not about what we do that defines us as true followers of Jesus. It's about 
our true faith and the life change that comes from that true faith. Uh, And there's a difference here because you can have head knowledge of Jesus. You can believe in your mind that there was a guy that came and he lived and was God and blah, blah, blah. You can, I say blah, 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 because head knowledge is not enough. Head knowledge is important and that's part of our faith. But if your head knowledge never goes down and changes your heart and your life, that head knowledge is useful. It's information, it's data. And information and data will not save us. A life-changing relationship with Jesus is the only thing that can save. And so a true follower out of their relationship with Jesus, a true follower will willingly and consciously choose the narrow gate and the difficult path. They will knowingly and willingly and intentionally choose to produce good, godly fruit in their life. They will turn away from spreading hate. They will turn away from doing lawless, ungodly deeds, and instead they will live a life of righteousness, driving people to love God and love others. Uh, And I've spoken extensively on this, but we live in a society that doesn't want us to do that. We live in a society that wants us to hate, that that drives us to create division and and, uh, destroy peace. But instead, Jesus calls us to, to bring people together, to, to encourage unity and love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control and faithfulness. But that's not what the world wants. And, and yet that's what we are so tempted to be drawn into. And believe me, there will be some who maybe even are watching today who when they go into heaven, Jesus is going to say to them, I do not know you because they didn't, people so many times are more concerned about living their own life and satisfying their own opinions and and trying to live for their own, uh, what they feel is their rights when that's not what the Bible calls us to do. Guys, let's be honest, we have rights. As Americans, we have tons and tons of rights as Americans. But just because we have the right to hate someone does not mean that we have the right biblically to hate someone. Just because we have the right of free speech does not mean that as followers of Jesus, we have the right to slander or hurt people with our words. There are some who will continue to hate and that hatred will drive them away from Jesus and from salvation. Guys, I'm getting serious here because we need to take a hard, hard, close look in the mirror and we need to analyze our lives and we need to figure out whether we're truly living what Jesus tells us to live or whether we're living for ourselves living by our own opinions and fighting for rights that the Bible never gives us, the right to hate people and the right to hurt people and slander people, the Bible never gives us that right. 
But when we fight, when we lean in, when we live the lifestyle of hatred and hurt and disunity and, and uh, a lack of peace, when we lean into those, we defy Jesus. We defy what he has called us to do and to live. Guys, don't be deceived. If we lean into hatred and slander and hurting others, no matter what we think the cost may be, when we spread lies rather than truth, when, when we live in greed rather than living in generosity, you know, and I could go on and on, when we live in sexual immorality rather than purity, when we live in those things, we're not living in our salvation. And we must pay attention to the way we live our lives. We must pay attention to the road the path, the gate that we decide to go down. And we must pay attention to the fruit that our life is producing. So what is your life producing? Do you live a life that is producing a fruit that draws others to Jesus because that fruit produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Is that what your life is producing? Or is your life producing other things? Because don't be deceived. This passage is very clear. If our life is not producing godly fruit, maybe we don't know Jesus. And maybe we need to reevaluate whether our thought of salvation is actually true salvation or whether it's head knowledge of some guy that lived some 2,000 years ago. Guys, I, I, I'm getting serious because this is weighty matters. This is important. I don't want anyone to, to, to not have salvation because they choose not to look in the mirror and take a hard look at their lives. So is your life producing good fruit. Take a moment and think about that for a minute. So, some will enter, some will get to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all this stuff? And he's going to look at some and say, I never knew you. Get away from me, you worker of lawlessness. Don't be that person. Don't take the easy path and forfeit your opportunity for salvation. Now, let me take a moment and just speak to those right now who may be listening or watching who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching right now. Maybe you're watching today and you don't know him. You've never begun a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've got head knowledge of him. Maybe you don't. But know this. Jesus was and is the Son of God. He lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth. And at the end of his life, he died on a cross and the shedding of his blood was a sacrifice. It was the price that had to be paid to cover and forgive us of our sins. And he paid that price willingly so that all of us who would accept him as their Lord and Savior would be saved, would be rescued from their sins. Now, all of us are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all made uh, 
horrible mistakes and we have all disobeyed God's law and we deserve punishment. But instead, Jesus came and paid the price, paid the punishment for your and I's sins so that we could be forgiven of the consequences of those sins. And listen, if you want that, if you want a guarantee that your eternity will be in heaven with Jesus rather than in eternal torment in hell, you can be saved. And all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you believe and allow that belief to completely change you inside and out. Your life looks different. Your, your values change and Jesus becomes the master, Lord and Savior of your life. Uh, and hear me, if you want to make that commitment today, or maybe you've got questions about what this looks like and what it means, please, I want you to stop whatever you're doing if that's you. If you want to know more, or you want to make that commitment, you want to take that next step in your journey, I want you to stop what you're doing, and I want you to send me an email or a direct message right now. The My email is on the screen, uh, and I want you to type that email up or send me a direct message, I will reach out to you right now and I would love to talk to you about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Right now, send me that message and let me walk you through the next steps. Answer your questions about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like. So, we've talked about uh, the, the gate and the path. We've talked about the fruit that our life produces. And we've talked about how some who think they're saved actually are not. And that they're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to say to them, I don't know you. So what is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount? Turn with me now into uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is Jesus's culmination of this entire sermon. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is a culmination of that. And here's what he says. Matthew 7, 24. He says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise person, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus is teaching us here that the key to everything in the Sermon on the Mount is dependence on Jesus. Jesus is saying that we can do nothing without him as our foundation. That Jesus is the key to everything we are. So here's my big idea. If you've watched my messages before, most of the time uh, I give a big idea. And that big idea is almost a summary of what that message means. It's the takeaway. It's the idea that I want you to stick in your mind and remember for the rest of the week. And here's today's big idea. Dependency on Jesus isn't important to faith. Dependency on Jesus is faith. Let me say that again. Dependency on Jesus isn't important to faith. Dependency on Jesus is faith. 
Think about it for a minute. Think about just the Sermon on the Mount, what we've been covering over the last several weeks. The Beatitudes, the ability for us to approach life the way the Beatitudes tells us to is only possible when we have Jesus, when we have the help of the the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can only be salt. We can only be the light of the world if we have Jesus. Uh, The only way for our thoughts and our emotions to to be righteous and to to be holy the way Jesus calls us to, to be, the only way we can do that is if we have Jesus in our life. Uh, Jesus gives us the the Lord's Prayer. The only way to connect to God, the only way to connect to Jesus and to His Holy Spirit, the only way to do that is through Jesus. The only way to love our enemies, let's be honest, the only way we can love our enemies is if we have Jesus in our life. The only way to love others the way that we would want to be loved to treat others the way that we would want to be treated, the only way to truly do that is to have Jesus in our life. Generosity and connection to God are only possible through the salvation, through the rescue of Jesus. The only way that we will ever be able to truly value what is eternal rather than what is on this earth, the only way to value eternal things is through Jesus. The only way to not judge others is through Jesus. The only way to approach life, to live, to be salt and light, to spread the gospel, to live a life that is, that is acceptable to the Lord, the only way to do any of those things is through Jesus. We're not capable of doing anything without Jesus and his salvation and the power and the help that Jesus gives. We aren't capable I opened my sermon this morning by talking about my two and a half year old son, you know, and how he needs help with literally everything. We also have a nine month old foster baby right now, and he's even more helpless than my two and a half year old. Uh, He's so helpless that he can't even verbalize his needs. He just screams. He just cries when he needs something. You see, too many times you and I as believers think that we can get by with our own abilities, our own talents, our own giftings, our own knowledge, when in reality, we're not capable of anything. We're a nine month old or a two and a half year old baby spiritually and we need Jesus for everything. We can't feed ourselves spiritually. We can't live life We can't love or care. We can't produce good fruit. We can't walk the narrow and difficult path without Jesus. Please hear me on this because I want to be black and white, crystal clear on this point. You cannot do enough good things. You cannot give enough money to the needy. You can't be a good enough person to get into heaven, to be saved. You need Jesus to do that. You cannot live or do anything without total and complete dependency on Jesus. Look at me, I'm a pastor. My job is to live 
and help others live for Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, I can't do anything without Jesus's help. I have nothing without him. I am a baby in need of Jesus taking care of all of my wants, desires, and needs. I have to have him for everything I do. Guys, I can't breathe. The air that I'm breathing in this room right now is given to me as a a blessing from Jesus. You and I are totally dependent on him. Our foundation has to be in Jesus and Jesus alone. My bank account, my knowledge, my job, my family, my relationships, nothing in this world can be a foundation to my life except Jesus. And it's the same with all of us who are followers of Jesus. Jesus is the only way to live this life. And we have to recognize and be 100% dependent on him. Do you get it? Do you get that you have to be totally dependent on Jesus? Do you get the fact that you can't even, and I can't even please Jesus without Jesus helping me to please Jesus? Isn't that crazy? I can't even do the most basic things that put a smile on Jesus's face without Jesus's help to do that. We are one hundred percent dependent on him and so let's sum this up for a minute let's pull this all together for just a second you see we have to recognize and we have to be intentional of the things that we're supposed to be doing for jesus and the faith that we need to lean on in jesus so my closing question is this do you take the narrow gate and the hard path? Do you produce good, godly, spiritual fruit? Do you have a life-changing relationship with Jesus? And is your true foundation in Jesus and Jesus alone? You see, these four illustrations completely sum up the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And if we desire, if we want to love and honor our Savior, we need to pay attention to these four illustrations and what they teach us about the Sermon on the Mount. Will you take a moment today, this week, whenever, will you take a moment and do a very hard self-evaluation, examine your life, and ask the question, am I going down the difficult, narrow path? Am I producing good, godly, spiritual fruit? Do I know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior? And is it changing my life? And do I have the true foundation of Jesus as the foundation in my life? Ask yourself these questions this week. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we thank you 
that you love us so much that we can place our 100% dependency in you. We thank you that you are the true foundation, that you love us so much that you died on a cross to save us from our sins so that our lives could be completely and wholly 100% dependent on you. Lord, help us to live our lives that way. Help us to choose the narrow, difficult path. Help us to choose to produce good fruit. Help us to choose to allow our lives to be changed by a relationship with you and help us to put you as our foundation. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our loving, amazing, powerful Savior. Amen.